Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm your host, Jeff Udick. I hope this episode finds you safe and healthy. We have a great episode for you today. In our last newsletter of 2021, we asked you, our readers and listeners, to come on our podcast and tell your story, share an idea, or just have a chat about your school, your classroom, or an approach you are having success with. Know you can always reach out to us when you're ready to share at info at shiftingschools.com. Today's guest, Chris Nitty, who is the Digital Age Coordinator from the Hoquiam School District, did just that. He wrote me an email asking if he could share some of the successes they have had in his school district, as well as his vision for his district and his community at large. You're going to hear just how excited Chris is about where his district is headed. And I have to tell you, just listening to his excitement is so uplifting right now. Like you, I'm reading the news and living it at the same time. Schools going back to remote learning due to teacher shortages, COVID outbreaks, or in my neck of the woods, three feet of snow in less than 24 hours in some places here in Washington state. There's so much frustration and stress and anxiety in education right now, it's easy to forget about all the great that is being done. Being there for our kids, being there for our communities, and at the same time, taking an opportunity to really think about what the future of learning is going to be for our students. Let's face it, some form of online learning will be a part of school moving forward. In fact, I think it should be. Let's forget about our current reality for a moment and focus on preparing students for their future, not our past. In 2019, the Department of Education released data that showed that 37% of undergraduate students in university were taking at least one online course. Now, I want to make sure you hear this right. That's undergraduates. This is not your master's program you took online or a PhD program. These are undergraduate courses for those getting their four-year degree. To put this another way, one out of every three students you graduated in 2019 took at least one online course before COVID and our current reality. Was your system preparing students for their future in 2019? Did students know how to learn online? communicate online, collaborate across time and space? If not, then we were already failing them in some ways. Now, here's the kicker. That 2019 statistic was based on enrollment data submitted by universities. And in 2019, not every university was submitting online versus traditional class data. For example, Math 101 was Math 101 no matter where it was held. Well, during the 2019 2020 school year, the Department of Education's Integrated Post-Secondary Educational Data System started collecting online course information for the first time, pre-pandemic, and reported the actual numbers to be 51.8%, not 37%. That means just over half of the students your district graduated took at least one online course in university. Folks, these are pre-pandemic numbers, and here's the thing, they're not going back down. 
universities were already offering online courses to students, and they will continue to do so long after the pandemic has come and gone. Now, I want to be clear here. I am not saying I want K-12 schools to go online. I 100% want students in our classrooms every day with a caring adult. However, I need those caring adults to understand that the literacies that these students need to prepare them for their future and not our past need to include how to use a learning management system, how to have a conversation over Zoom or Google Meets, and how to collaborate with a colleague across time and space, and not just with the person sitting next to them. Let's not forget that it might have been a pandemic that brought these new literacies to the forefront of our classrooms, but it is the change in our society that should keep them there. Learning to work from home is a new skill that will not go away. Learning how to work remotely on a team, great skill to have on a resume, the best part is we can practice and grow these skills in our classrooms with students in front of us so we can support them in learning them. It's called blended learning, folks. It's taking the best part of what technology has to offer and the tried and true best practices of traditional learning and merging them to prepare students for their future, not our past. We were already headed here. We were just forced to move faster than we wanted. But now that we're here, how do we capture this new future for our students? This is what I love about my conversation with Chris today. The pandemic forced his district to go one-to-one. -one. And from there, Chris takes this moment in time to think about what students need, what his community needs, and is creating a future that supports both. I hope you enjoy this very energetic conversation with Chris. After all, if we can't get excited about the future, maybe we're not focusing on the right things. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. So great to be here with Chris from Hoquiam. He's got one of the best titles. I love this. Digital Age Coordinator. Uh, that's awesome, Chris. You know, we've got, there's so many different things that we are called in technology in schools, but this, I think this is the first time I've heard of a digital age coordinator. So I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. Uh, Chris actually answered our email. We sent out an email at the end of the year saying, Hey, if you've got stories to tell, uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast. And Chris wrote, the most amazing email that I'm excited to get into and have him actually tell his story uh, in Hoquiam uh, and talk about just where he sees his city, his, his school district going. Uh, such great energy, Chris. I'm so excited to have you here. So welcome to Shifting Our Schools. So much, Jeff. I'm so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. And you know what? I love meeting educators who, I was thinking about this today as we were getting ready to do this. I love meeting people who are still excited you know, there's so much right now that a lot of teachers I talked to were, were drained and we don't like the way the system's working. And, and there is, there's a lot of things going on right now, 100%. But to meet somebody that is like, I see the future uh, for, yeah. for, for my district, for my town. And I believe we have a direction here and have so much 
um, enthusiasm for that. It's just so great to still see that in education. And I know it's still out there. Uh, and I just, I love bringing that to people that they're, you know, that we're excited and education still has a, a, a role to play in our communities and in our societies moving forward. So with that, Chris, I'd like to just kind of hear uh, your journey in education. How'd you get started in education and how'd you end up in Hoquiam? Absolutely. Great questions there. I'm a bit of a world traveler, having taught in places as far ranging as London and New York City and traveled to you know every continent except Antarctica. So I'm a, a very mobile person and I've seen a lot of different districts, a lot of different countries and a lot of different schools. Um, in about 2017, I left Florida um, because it's not much of an education state down in Florida. Uh, right. And uh, I had taken a vacation to the Pacific Northwest in the 2000s. And in 2017, I just got in my truck and decided I'm driving out to the Pacific Northwest and finding a place <laughs> to land. That's great. And uh, we were having a little bit of a conversation before that, you know, I found this little town of Hoquiam. I drove out to it and there's a sign that says the friendliest city. And of <laughs> course, you see this like world's greatest hot dog. You know, you think, oh, and as I got to live here, I found that it actually was. It's a really, really tightly knit community um, where there are a lot of families and people who have spent decades, if not centuries. And yeah. uh, I was welcomed into this community. Now, I've been in the classroom for about 16, 17 years as a teacher in subject as wide ranging as band to English to social studies to Latin. Yeah. So a uh, very wide ranging teaching career as well. And um, I came to Hoquiam thinking I was going to retire. I had been fed up with teaching from Florida. But when I started subbing in this school and started seeing this community, a light just kind of went on in my head. And I said, this place has potential. Mm. And luckily, I, this district has been the greatest district of my life, the Hoquiam School District, in terms of recognizing my potential and this enthusiasm that I've yeah. got and saying, hey, we need someone like that. So within just about a semester of subbing for them, I got picked up as their new technology teacher for the middle school oh, very and uh, started an initiative to get all of our students working on what we called our core four. We had a core four of apps Very that we cool. were going to teach. And this was before the pandemic. We were already thinking in terms of how we could move this district into a better position technologically that was more 21st century. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and the pandemic go to wait. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, Jeff. I got to quote you That's sometime. All good. Here. I love it. But uh, yeah. you know, uh, we saw this opportunity, and I watched my district invest a huge amount of money in Chromebooks, awesome. um, bringing in about six hundred or so Chromebooks. And I started looking at how it was shifting the way we were teaching. I was part of your shifting schools and kickstart the restart and all that stuff. Very inspirational stuff that drove a lot of my thinking about moving from this traditional top down, you know, knowledge oriented, just in case teaching yeah. that, that we had so much of here because we talk a lot about aces with kids, don't we? Yeah. You know, those adverse childhood experiences that cause trauma and get people stuck in their right. lives. And I wonder sometimes, I like to think of this town organism or its own person yeah. and think about a town like Hoquiam that had a huge logging industry right. for decades, decades, if not a century. Yeah. And then in the mid nineties, all of it just went away. Yeah. And it was like a 
adverse childhood experience for the whole city. Everyone who lived here went through trauma and lost. It was like losing a parent or losing the job in the family. You know, when we lived there and and we talked about this before we started recording, I I taught in Aberdeen for two years um, at Robert Gray Elementary, two great years. But when we were there, you know, the saying was in the 90s, we saved the spotted owl and we killed Hoquiam. Uh, in Aberdeen, right? Like both of those towns are very big logging towns. And then you move out, you even move out a little bit farther. We're, we're saving the salmon, but we're killing places like Westport, uh, you know, all of these fishing. And so, and it's not, it's not good or bad. It just is right. Like industries change and these cities were built on these industries. And all of a sudden you have to figure out what's next for you as, as a, as a city, as a community, as a, as an area. Exactly. And I think it's our job as educators to constantly be thinking about our students' future, not our past, not what worked for us, but what will work for them as they move forward into some kind of a future. And so that has been my major effort. I have looked at this town and said, all right, you've had these aces, you've had these traumas, and you're still stuck in a a kind of a mode where a lot of students come to class and feel like if they just sit in the class until they get to 12th grade and graduate, that then magically, almost like some generational training, they'll go out in the woods, make a living and support their kids, but not there anymore. So one of the biggest things I've assessed here in Hoquiam is this question of engagement for students Mm. and the question of what their motivation in coming to school is. And so we had this pandemic. Our district made a big investment in technology. And I went to our director of teaching and learning at the end of last year and said, these students are going to need to have some sort of a central way to reform their community because community is more important than content. And this is something that, that we had to look at. And my former teaching directing, uh, t- director of teaching and learning, her name was Mary White. She had the vision to use about $1,000 of high cap money to start an esports program awesome. with me as the sponsor here at Hoquiam. And I had fabulous help from Ralph Hogaboom at Grays Harbor College that has yeah. a program that's already offering scholarships. Sure. And I said, let's meet these students where they're at. They've been playing video games at right. pandemic and together. But why don't we game with a purpose of creating a community and reaching our students who maybe don't fit into athletics or band, which are kind of our only offerings? These kids, an older teacher or a person from a different generation might have called them the misfits. But I call them my heroes because these (laughs) are the kids who really know these games and this technology. They're encyclopedic. And so I created a brave space, a space that was welcoming. And what we found is that our neediest students, our students from the McKinney-Vento Foster and Homeless Care Program, who don't have eight fabulous VR-ready PCs and two Nintendo Switches at home, we've got it here. They come to us, and they're welcomed by our community. We have monolingual Spanish speakers who love Smash Brothers and come (laughs) and join with our other students and make the magic happen. Um, We have vMix as our production software, which is fairly complex and lets you stream to Facebook, to, you know, all these other platforms, and our streaming is all student-run. So there's a huge amount of buy-in and ownership and the completely flipped club here with this esports initiative that we've taken. And 
believe you'll have to correct me or someone else may correct me. I believe we may be the first program in the state of Washington to have as thorough of a VR program as we have. We have five VR headsets wow. that are all networked together. And we had our first annual Hoquiam Esports <laughs> virtual reality tournament. <laughs> Very cool. Trek Bridge Crew. And Star <laughs> Trek Bridge Crew is a fabulous game. It's a four-player cooperative game where all the players on the team must cooperate and talk through their headset microphones to give commands, to listen to what's going on, to share information. And it's a social, emotional learning experience par excellence. It yeah. is amazing. And we open students. So we had teams of teachers and students together all on the bridge of a starship and talking about their shield emitters and photon <laughs> torpedoes and, you know, charging the warp nacelles. And, and you hear all this vocabulary wow. coming out of the mouths of sixth grade seventh graders as they build relationships and talk with their teachers and they're all achieving this stuff together we have found that i mean i've even got a vr headset kind of behind me in the background here we have found that vr is a path forward for engaging students and reaching them where they're at and putting things that would be otherwise distant or remote right in their hands and right in their eyes. Um, so the eSports initiative for Hoquiam has been a huge, a huge direction that we've been moving in. Well, and, and I want to, like you, you talked about a very, like you, you, you hit it, but I really want us to also focus in on that you, you know, working with your community college, their Grace Harbor Community College, but also for your universities. This is something I, I don't know how many educators understand that starting e-sports programs in your middle school and then moving them into your high school, there are scholarships available to students going to community and four years college playing e-sports. It's not just, you know, I'm trying to, it, there is, there's I, 100%, there's this engagement side of things. There's getting kids involved in school. There's the vocabulary. I would love for you to like sit down with like state standards and see how many state standards you're hitting through vocabulary, listening skills, speaking skills. I bet you're just blowing it up, not doing it on purpose, right? But it's, it's, it's collaboration. It's all these things that it takes to play video games, but also starting to get kids understand, like, you know, if you're really good at this. Somebody will pay you to go to school to continue to play a game. Like that's just a, such a mind shift. I think for so many of us, I mean, we think about playing football and volleyball and softball and track, but esports really is becoming another pathway for kids who, who can get scholarships to go to a, a two-year community college or four-year university. It's incredible. Absolutely, Jeff. And our intention here at the Hoquiam School District is to get there first. And that's what we're doing right now. We've got a pipeline already established with our local community college for their scholarship programs so that our students will be encouraged to go there. And their director came out and helped us set up our lab. The connections that we've been forming are just magical. And what we're really looking at is that mind shift that you talked mm -hmm. about. And esports is kind of like my, my baited hook but right. it, all of it has the same mind shift that it's trying to create which is to take a town thought i'll go out in the woods living out in log shift that to hey i can do things like play computer games write code design 3d animation and get paid for that yeah 
hopeless career, and I can even live in hoquiam while I do it. Um, I was telling you earlier about one of my fabulous experiences I had with the ESD 113 superintendent, Dr. Dana Anderson, who told me that he had recently Amazon and to Google for some high end like data engineer positions, things that we would love our students to have. And it said, all you have to do in terms of your location is live within 150 miles of one of our major centers. So you better believe I went on Google Maps immediately and said, (laughs) where are we? we fit with, we're about 115, 117 miles away from the headquarters. Right. Wow. Our students were working on a coding program. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with TechSmart, but yeah. uh, TechSmart is a Python coding program that we're piloting right now at our middle school. And it has been a flaming success, a huge success. We've got sixth through eighth graders who are super excited about coding now. And what we're working on... Uh, merchant who is at the state level directing a grant for digital equity and inclusion, we are hoping to expand this program from third through 12th grade. And by 12th grade, we hope to offer standard certifications from Microsoft programmer certs all the way up to Oracle and SQL stuff, if you can imagine. And we have a full pathway here from third through 12th, have them leave our school already with certifications. And we're doing stuff like having them work in small teams to build apps, to code mods, to make a portfolio of real projects. And I've had students in my on this, coded their own apps, made their own stuff. And it is a a direct in with a company or a college to have a solid portfolio. So we hope to create this TechSmart program, have it as the crown jewel of our tech program, another hook to bring in parents and students. And the real direction that I hope to see for our district is for us to become our region's technology magnet. I love it. And we couldn't. We just won. We were, I'm so grateful for the opportunity, but we won $400,000 in the ECF grant that funded a complete revamp of our entire Chromebook fleet. So now all of our students are on devices that are no less than a year old. And we have about 1600 students right now. So we made that happen. And now I'm working on a bigger grant to provide interactive flat panels for every classroom to revamp our entire uh, SPED department, and also possibly to fund those teachers for TechSmart to expand our program so we have that reach through those grades. And once all that's in place, I think we start looking around the region and saying, hey, we have something magical to offer you. It's a pathway to jobs that pay over $100,000. And all you have to do is join Hoquiam follow through our program. And I think what we do is in a few years, my hope is that we can have maybe a class of 30 sixth graders that comes in yeah, and who takes a bit of a leadership role that their courses are not just technology class, relationships and social emotional learning and what it means to be a leader. And we graduate that class and bring in another one until we have a, a, a group of 200 from 6th through 12th grade who are here in Hoquiam building projects, earning certifications, leading our school, and being our superstars to, you know, sort of spearhead this technological revolution that we're looking for. That's awesome. Have you seen... Like you, you talk about you know you know your esports club and and your your coding clubs. How are you starting to see some of this impact? Say the and I'll 
use the term with air quotes here, like the traditional classroom, right? Like every kid now has these Chromebooks, they're brand new Chromebooks. You have teachers who are now looking at kids who are, who are very excited in these other things outside of my sixth grade social studies classroom is, are we, are you starting to see some, uh, are teachers starting to be like, Oh, okay. Well, kids now have this idea. They know how to use Google classroom or they know how to use spreadsheets or they're collaborating at a different level. Is there any kind of that that has started to come out that you've seen? Absolutely. I, I bring this level of excitement to everything I do and I like for it to be contagious. You know, I really want people to have that kind of enthusiasm and there are so many opportunities to highlight successes. I love when I have a teacher here who has been teaching for nearly 50 years who get, got to the end of his pandemic year and he's like, well, normally my students get up in front of the class and they present their, you know, college and beyond plans. Sure. And I said, would you like to do something magical? Because we've got some magic for you. And we talked about Flipgrid. Wow. And here is a teacher who is, you know, I mean, close to retirement, sure. And technologically, you know, may not be super enthusiastic, but he had Flipgrid for his final. That's great. And the kids loved it. And he was yeah. like, I can't believe this is so easy. It arrives in my Google Classroom. I can yeah. see it and watch it. And that's the kind of reactions we've been getting. Um, we have an ALE, an alternative learning environment called Homelink, which is our virtual learning school. Right. And uh, our initiatives with virtual reality have been so uh, impactful in terms of generating interest and engagement that our ALE, our Homelink school, has just purchased three brand new VR ready PCs. They are real powerful. Wow. And we've got the Oculus Quests for them. Yeah. They're using those for simulation so that a kid can take Very apart cool. an engine in a car or do a knee surgery or do How all these sorts of things and also use it as a reward so they can, you know, come into the school and they are very tech oriented. Right. Hey, my superintendent bought himself an Oculus Quest 2 for himself, <laughs> you know, the great. Amazing. And that's something yeah. I'm so proud of here in Hoquiam is that I have an administration and a staff that is willing to listen to my crazy ideas <laughs> and say, you know what, let's give it a try. Let's give yeah, it a chance. And then when it yields fruit, everyone's like, well, wow, that really worked. Yeah, let's do that. more. Yeah. And so with a, a foundation like that and a staff like like that, that's so supportive, um, I'm just feeling like we are, have no direction up here and I, I uh, love that. yeah and, and it's it's that whole thing right once you get the ball rolling and and everybody sees student engagement whatever that happens to be yours started with esports and it's going into coding and you know every kid's now got i got a computer and once you get that ball rolling like you even talk about a teacher who's like all of a sudden like oh Oh, that's one little thing I can switch. I can switch from kids presenting, which I can't do because we're in a pandemic and living from home, but all of a sudden I can do this Flipgrid thing. And it might be even better than what I was doing yeah. before, at least the same, if not better, right? Based on what, depending on what the teacher is looking for, but you start to get this ball rolling and all of a sudden the excitement, people are willing to give it a shot. People are willing to see, because when you see student engagement, I don't know any teacher that when they see a student engaged goes like, well, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> right. Like when you start to see engagement and you hear kids talking about their esports program or what they're doing on the weekends and how they're collaborating together, you start to be thinking about, okay, what does this do for me? What does this do for my classroom? How do I restructure the way that I think the way I teach, how am I using these tools to engage kids differently? And that to me is like, that's the momentum, right? Like once you get that momentum, then even when we come out of this pandemic, 
you know, and we're back, like that momentum is going to continue to carry forward. And we're not waiting for it to end. We're figuring out ways exactly. to say like, how do we continue to reinvent ourselves? Well, I am so like, proud. You know, you're, you're approaching it from a community standpoint, which is just huge. I mean, it's exactly. Great. I am so proud of teachers and my Hoquiam community, because like I said, you know, so much of shifting here. We used to yeah. be a school that kept our Chromebooks in carts, right? right. And they yeah. occasionally came out and it was yeah. like a little supplemental thing. But now we are truly one-to-one. -one. We now yeah. have every student with a Chromebook that is assigned to them that they're responsible for. And our classrooms are starting to flip. Yeah. And I love to watch it happen. Yeah. As these teachers start to say, old ways of teaching just aren't even the way I want to do things anymore. I've learned these new skills during the pandemic. Why can't I employ them in my classroom? And so we've got a lot more. That is a huge that. thing that's happening. And then the other thing that's, that's really starting to take over is this idea of uh, using digital solutions to solve problems and to change the way we think about knowledge for our students. We it. are trying to create our students as savvy digital citizens of the world who know how to find information, who know how to access it just in time, not yeah. just in case, right? I love it. And, uh, you know, so that's the kinds of skills that when I started here as a tech teacher, I was all over those skills. And now as we expand our tech offerings and make this more about that kind of thinking, it's affecting our core classes. They are getting into more flipped classroom exercises, right. more things that allow students to work in small teams, to build portfolios, to present using their technology. And one of the things that I have experience with is uh, with the use of interactive flat panels in the classroom. Hmm. When I was in Florida, I managed to take a school that was a neglected school and turn them into a smart showcase school with me as the smart master trainer. Back when cool. smart boards were kind of sure, the only interactive right, yeah. boards, right? <laughs> uh, that's been a good you know, 10, 12 years right. or so since I did that. But now as an administrator, my hope is to bring the magic of interactive flat panels to every learning space in my district. Hmm. Because used properly with best practices, those are not just a magic toolbox for teachers to show off. Right. Those are massive student engagement tools. When I have a 20 touch interactive board, I can have four or five students up at that thing at once. Yeah. And boy, do those hands shoot up. I used an interactive board in every classroom I taught in. And I know how to share the use of those kinds of boards to get students. Because here in Hoquiam, getting students out of their seats is a challenge. Right. But if I have the right bait, I can get them out of their seats. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they love it. And uh, I think that this is a direction that we're hoping to move towards. And that hopefully the Digital Equity and Inclusion Grant will be a thing that helps us out with. That's awesome. How big is your esports team? Like, did you just, when you launched it, were there kids lining up? Uh, yeah, we had 50 kids at our first meeting. Wow. Um, that was just like, and that was the first day of school. I wasn't wow. even holding off. And we have now about 80 regular members. Wow. Um, we've opened it up to our high school and to our middle school. That's cool. Um, our, and we are going to be starting a winter league now uh, okay. for about a month. Uh, where students are, we're part of a league that's called WASIA, the Washington State Scholastic Esports Association, right. a fabulous organization um, that it you know has scholastic standards as well for its participants. Yeah. So we love that. We love having the ability to say, "Hey, there's grade 
checks involved if you want to right, be part of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And then the kids are really motivated. Just like any well. kind of sport, right? Yeah. You got to exactly. have a 2.0. This is it. Absolutely. And so um, we have seen with the esports the creation of a real community. Awesome. We use a lot of tools like Discord to communicate right? with you know, yeah. each other at home, at school, while we are gaming. And we have so much outreach that we've done, like this big tournament that I told you about right. that was open to all staff and students at the middle school and high school. To see, we had close to 100 participants in that tournament. Wow. And to see that many people putting on VR headsets yeah. <laughs> and getting into it and then coming out of it like, wow, my mind is blown. <laughs> That's how you get buy-in in a yeah, district absolutely. is by showing something just amazing and saying, hey, this is what we do here now in Oakwim. That's so cool. Well, I'll tell you, the next time I'm down that area, I'm going to have to stop by and uh, take a tour with you because I'd love to see this stuff in action. That would be amazing, Jeff. I'd love to put a VR headset on you and show you <laughs> some of the magic that we're doing here. Uh, that, that would be awesome. Where do you see this heading, Chris? Like, wh- like you know, your, your vision, you know, your excitement, like, you know, where, where do you see this going? And I mean, you've got great support from admin and your teachers, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're making, you're making the change. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, where do you see this? Like, what's your what's your ultimate goal here? Absolutely. Um, and I'm I'm lucky enough now to be making connections at the state level yeah. with lots of people who've been incredibly supportive. I would never have won my uh, ECF grant without the help of Susan Tinkoff, you know, who's our state E-rate coordinator. Yeah. And so all these people are helping me to get Hoquiam to a place where in our region, I think we become the technology magnet. That pretty soon, as people continue moving to Grays Harbor County, right. they start asking themselves, which is the best school district to send my kids that's going to yeah. future-proof them? I that's going to get that. them ready for a real future. And I want the answer to be Hoquiam. I love that. And I have, you know, kind of my five-year and my 10-year vision for this. Yeah. And my hope is that next year we'll have our TechSmart program fully in place. Yeah. And that the year after that, that we start our map first sixth grade class. But within 10 years, what I see is a network that is Hoquiam centric. That is a network of students and former uh, students, alumni who have earned the certifications through our TechSmart program, whose photos are up on the wall as so-and-so got a SQL cert here at Hoquiam, you know, and is now working for X company and maybe for X amount of dollars, we say, who knows? And then that person chooses maybe to live in Hoquiam and to send their kids to this program because it did such good for them. So, you know, I'm in contact with the mayor of this town too, and I've shared this vision with him. And I think there's a building consensus that Hoquiam is a place that has the potential to become a technology mecca. Oh, I love so that. why not aim big? We may be a little town, but we can have big dreams. Well, and I love that you've already started to engage, like you're saying, the mayor of the town, because with this, you know, if this is a vision for, for the community led by the school, which I believe it happens a lot in, you know, small, small rural areas, like, like you are in Hoquiam, but all of a sudden there's like, there's some, there's some city infrastructure that goes with us. Like, how do we get fiber optic 
you know, into our city? How do we make sure that every home is wired? And, you know, there's some things happening at the federal level and at the state level here in the state of Washington to help make that stuff happen. But that you're already engaging that saying, look, here's where we want to go as a school district. We need your support from a community level, mayor and city council to let, let's put some infrastructure into place to support this as we move out. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Know? And we're very lucky to have excellent bandwidth throughout Hoquiam. Right. We have yeah. two different companies that provide gigabit, uh, you know, service to your home. So a lot of that infrastructure is actually in place, which is why I've seen such huge potential for this. Right. All those little pieces, the things that you asked the question, oh, but what about the bandwidth? It's actually solved here. That's and great. you can live and work here in Hoquiam and telecommute and have a fabulous career for yourself. Yeah. And I, it's a beautiful area too. It's a gorgeous I mean, area. it's got all sorts of things to offer and you're right next to the beach. Yeah. Um, I sound like a tour guide at this point, but. <laughs> well, I, we were talking before we started recording. I was just out there razor clam, razor clam yeah. uh, digging over New Year's. And uh, my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law actually just bought a condo out in Westport. So we spend a lot, it's a beautiful area, you know? And I think to your point, right? Like there, there's an opportunity here where, you're only 115 miles from Google and Amazon and downtown Seattle. It's an easy drive. If you have to go to the office once once a week, it's not that bad up and down the freeway. It's all freeway driving up and down. You know, if that, if, and I think we just don't know where it's going to go yet, right? Like uh, Apple has put off. They don't know. Google has just said they don't know when they're, you know, when there's no date now set on when they're bringing people back to the office. Mm -hmm. um, Microsoft is doing the same thing up here. We live, Expedia lives right down, like Expedia headquarters here in Seattle is right down the hill from my house. And they're saying the same thing. They're like, we don't know uh, when people are going to come back. And so I think there's, I think corporations are also looking at this as being like, okay, well, you know, this work from home thing, and we're seeing pressure, you can read the news and see the pressure that's happening in a lot of different spaces. And when you have a beautiful place like Hoquiam that is close to the ocean, uh, you know, beautiful outdoor recreation, like you want to go hiking, you want to go fishing. I mean, you've got it all within like minutes of your doorstep down there. It's just a beautiful place. I think there's a real opportunity. And like you said, you're going to have a family move in to say, what district, if I'm moving to this area, is going to future-proof my children you want to be the district that they look to. I, I just love, exactly. I love your vision on, on where you see this heading and, and the things you're going to be doing. And, and also, I mean, yeah, we're focused on Hoquiam, but you know that Aberdeen's right next door looking at you going like, Oh, Oh, we've got to do in, in Westport. And like, you just, there's a momentum, right? You build mm -hmm. a momentum and you've got a great community college there uh, that I know is very connected to your community as well. And you start to play off that and you, you can turn, you know, we can turn some, some places around. I love it. Yeah. And I have to say, I give places like Aberdeen a huge amount of credit for inspiring yeah. me. They have a very powerful skills center that yeah. teaches CTE uh, applications for students. And that was a huge inspiration for me. I was like, if they've got a draw like that, yeah. well, what's our draw? What are yeah. we doing that's yeah. bringing? Yeah, students to thing? us yeah. and so i was highly inspired by my neighbors and you know i look forward to working with them as right. we you know develop these because this is a thing where if aberdeen is doing a skills center that's more cte oriented and we're yeah. doing a tech thing why not combine the two it's yeah, like chocolate exactly. and peanut butter you know yeah. it goes together so great so great so, yeah yeah Man, it's been a long time. You know, we talked about, I taught down there. I built the first website for Aberdeen School District. That's amazing. As a fourth grade teacher. I was the geeky fourth grade teacher that was like, you know what? I think our school needs a website. 
And I went, I actually, I was using it in a training not that long ago. I went into the Wayback Machine and found that thing. Man, it was ugly. But, uh, you know, it was 2000. And we just had an internet. Um, That's where I had the Gates Grant over at Robert Gray Elementary, where I, you know, I had 34 fourth graders and got seven computers. We didn't have a, with a bandwidth at the school at the time. We didn't have enough bandwidth to really get on the internet. I mean, we did. We were. It was very slow. I think the I think the school had like a 128K connection for the school. Nice. But we had like our student, the students in my classroom, we had all seven PCs were connected to each other. Like we had wires running all over the classroom. And every computer was known by its IP address, right? Like oh, we named really? our computers based off the IP address and they were all connected and kids were sharing files. I mean, that was like, it was so cool, right? It was 2000. It was amazing time back then. But, That's uh, the hands-on kind of stuff that yeah. is absolutely crucial. So when great, I was teaching technology here, one of the first things I started with and getting some old desktops and saying, here's how we're going to start. You're going to disassemble and rebuild a computer yeah. and you know, get your hands right into the guts of it and learn what all these parts are, yeah. how they work. And that kind of hands-on engagement is a huge part of grabbing student attention yeah. and teaching them useful skills for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, if they're the kid that knows how to fix a computer, that's the kid. There's a job for you. Yeah. There's a job for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love absolutely. it. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your energy, for everything you're doing for kids, for what you're doing with Hoquiam uh, school district and the whole region in general. Uh, it's so great. And, and, you know, you kind of started off by saying, you know, you left Florida and you came to Washington and this really is an education focused state. I mean, I mean, not perfect. No state is, but you know what we do? I, I honestly believe we do a really great job here in the state of Washington, you know, and, and even things like this E-rate or sorry, the esports. Like, I don't know where other states are. I haven't focused on other states, but I know like even, you know, WIAA, the Washington Association of Athletics is looking at, we're going to be esports. If it isn't already, you probably know more than I do. Mm-hmm. We'll be like an official sport at the state level um, here coming soon. And so there's a lot happening in this space around here. So it's great that you guys are out there in front. Absolutely. Um, starting to put it together. So if people want to learn more, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to say, Hey, how'd you do this? I'd love to do this too. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Absolutely. Email me anytime at cnitty at hoquiam.net. That's C-N-I-T-T-I. That's two I's and two T's at H-O-Q-U-I-A-M net. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll make sure that's all in the show notes uh, and we'll have uh, links. Uh, if you want to send me links to maybe some stuff that's on the internet that people can check out, we'll make sure that's all in the show notes as too. Absolutely. Uh, so we great. Were just, thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for spending we some time just, with me, friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.